we all may have a time where we find ourselves broken. We may feel like there is nothing we can do to put all of the scattered pieces back together. But one moment can change everything and make whole what was once broken. It's in that moment when everything that has happened till this time starts to make sense. The moment we find the cure. for our children as they leave today. Is that Steve and Jess? Would you guys stand up? Steve and Jess Weatherby are going to have a baby. Yeah! So excited for you guys. Amen. It's how we grow a church around here. One day, a man goes to the pet shop to buy a parrot. Clerk takes the man to the parrot section, asks the man to choose one. The man says, how much is the yellow one? He says, $2,000. man shocked. He asked the clerk why he's so expensive. He said, well, this parrot's a very special one. He knows how to type and can type really fast. That's okay. What about the green one? Clerk says, well, he's five grand because he knows how to type, can answer incoming telephone calls, and takes notes. That's like, whoa. Okay. Uh, what about the red one? Clerk said, well, that one, $10,000. Guy says, what? Seriously? How, what does he do? Clerk says, well, I'm not sure, but the other two call him boss. <laughs> okay. So you got to start sending me better ones, okay? Y'all are slacking. We're in a series called The Cure. Today's the final in this series. And when we began to talk about the cure, asking the question, have you ever been in a situation so desperate that you'd do anything for an answer? I believe all of us have been there at some point in our life where the pieces of our lives are broken, they're shattered, scattered around, it seems no, no hope in sight, no answer to be found. Our lives are in a mess, so to speak. Maybe it's a job loss or death, depression. Maybe your marriage is in ruins or there's financial devastation. Could be abuse, sickness, disease. The reality is we all need a cure 
Amen? The Greek word for cure is therapuo, and it, it is a word that is used in the scripture, which means to heal, cure, and restore to health. And we, we looked at the, the woman with the issue of blood and how as Jesus was on his way somewhere else, she pushed her way through the crowd, though it wasn't legal for her to actually touch him. It was beyond the, the realm of legality. She was desperate, though. And I don't know if you've ever been desperate. I know I have at many times in my life where I knew if I could just get to Jesus, if I could just push my way through. And she does, and, and Jesus stops, and he asks the question in Luke chapter 8, verse 45, Who touched me? And Peter, everybody denied it, and Peter said, Master, seriously? The whole crowd's touching you. Everybody's pressing up against you. And Jesus said, it's, it's, not, it's not like it's just a casual touch. It's not like somebody just brushed up against me. He said, someone deliberately touched me. Someone deliberately reached out and grabbed a hold of me and took something from me. Notice what he says. Someone deliberately touched me for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble, fell to her knees in front of him, and the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him, that she had been immediately healed. Hallelujah. That's my Jesus. We all want to stand up and cheer, and Jesus goes on and raises the, the dead girl, and he goes and touches the blind eyes and, and, and makes them completely able to see. And he says to this woman, daughter, he brings her in, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And I was, as I was working on these messages, and, and the Lord began to speak to me about this final message, and and it didn't make a lot of sense to me at the time. And I'm, the question kept coming to me, what happens when you don't get healed or delivered immediately like this woman? Because we all want to stand back and say, that's my Jesus. He does that kind of stuff. And yet our reality is sometimes we don't see the immediate answer. I don't know if you've ever been there or not. I've been there, been there many times in my life. I was the kid who was deaf, who every healing evangelist that came to our church prayed for me the prayer of faith. I expected to be healed every single time, and nothing changed. And every time I'd walk away saying, can I hear any better? And I, I can't, I'm not sure, I, I don't think so, and nothing changed, and what happens in those moments? What do you do when it seems like the Lord has failed you? What do you do in your life when the cure seems to be a distant longing? You've got to realize that it's not about what we do or do not feel. Amen? I remind you what Alicia Sholee says, faith is, is not, faith is believing 
that God is with us and that God is for us regardless of what we do or do not feel. Our feelings do not create his presence. Our greatest shout does not thicken his presence. And our greatest doubt cannot thin his presence. Come on, somebody. So she says, feel nothing or see stars. Hallelujah. Spend years in a spiritual dark night like Mother Teresa, whose journey took her through some 50 to 60 years of not sensing God or spend 60 minutes lost in love and worship. His love for you changes not. He is with you. God is with you. May we align every thought with this glorious and grace-saturated reality. God is with us, and God is for us. And yet, my experience, and I'm sure yours as well, and many you know, has been the same as Asaph wrote in Psalm 77. And as I was reading it, as we're going through our life journals, and this is one of the scriptures that, that we had to read, I don't know if it was last week or the week before last, but Asaph writes this, I cry out to God, yes, I shout, oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. You ever been there? I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I'm too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days long since ended when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. I'm depressed even reading it. But I've been there. And so have you. There are moments when it seems like God has forsaken us. What do we do then? It's great to have this, this peace inside. The faith of God that says every mountain shall be moved. And then you speak to a mountain and it stays there and looks at you and sticks its tongue at you. It feels like... like what, what is this? Asaph goes on, and here's a turning point in verse 11. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I'm thinking back, and I'm remembering what you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They're constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders, 
exclamation point. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain and thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea. Your pathway through the mighty waters. A pathway no one knew was there. Nobody else could see the pathway but God. And he knew, and he knows today, there are some things you're going to go through to get to where he's calling you to. Hallelujah. You led your people along that road like a flock of sheep. You led your people with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. Yeah, I don't know if you've been there or not, but I have, we have. And the reality is God calls us to remember. The word remember is in the Bible so many times. Remember what I did. Remember what happened. Remember how I brought you through. Remember, remember. And if you can remember, you can draw on those moments and say, you know what? Though I don't see it now, I remember God was with me. And even if I've never experienced it firsthand, I can go to his word and see how he faithfully brought his people through. I remember. <coughs> In his book, Temptation, German pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, that when any of us are faced with temptation, whether it's sexual or ambition or vanity or desire for revenge, he says, at this moment, God is quite unreal to us. Satan does not here fill us with hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God. And he says, you and I must remember what God has done in our lives. Ponder the great things that he's done. Discipline yourself to remember. Reflect on all that God has done. I told you about my friend Kenny Roberts. We played in a band together, played basketball together in college. And Kenny married his, his sweetheart, Debbie. And Debbie was killed in a tragic car accident. And he writes in his book, few days after Debbie had died, he was making his bed, tucking in the sheets, and he says, I became very angry, and this thought went through my head. I'm a 47-year-old man starting life all over, making my king-sized bed alone. I hate this. This isn't fair. As the anger intensified, this thought came to him. How I respond even in these moments of seemingly ordinary activities, will determine who I will become. He goes on to say how we respond to difficulties in life will determine who we will eventually become. Life will shape us. The choice of how it will shape us 
is ours. Our response determines the outcome. Practice is necessary for transformation. Imagine how many times a professional golfer has practiced hitting his seven iron. Because of, of consistent practice, he is thoroughly, thoroughly prepared to accurately hit his seven iron as he approaches the 18th green, one shot ahead with thousands of fans watching and millions of dollars on the line. Practicing our responses during the routine challenges of our daily activities sets in place the proper patterns and prepares us for the more difficult situations that are certain to come. It's not a matter of trying harder in the moment of challenge. It's a matter of training consistently leading up to the challenge. Let me say that again. It's not a matter of trying harder in the moment of challenge. It's a matter of training consistently leading up to the challenge. He said, this isn't simply behavior modification. This process of change, of transformation, occurs by the grace of God and in conjunction with our response. And he says this, an oak tree doesn't surface in a day and a sinkhole doesn't develop overnight. Who you and I will be tomorrow, we're becoming that person today. I mean, you saw it happen at the Villanova game. Chris Jenkins, final second three-pointer that won the NCAA championship. Come on. A Philly team won something. Hallelujah. It can happen. That three-point shot was made because of years of practice. Chris's father, by adoption, Nate Britt Sr., said, this is one of the most incredible moments of our lives, to watch our son hit the winning shot, something that he's practiced on countless days and nights in the gym. And we used to argue, he said in the stammer, I said, man, you got to hit this shot. you got to get your footwork down. It's the only way you can be confident enough to hit it every time. And you got to believe it's going in every time. And it did of consistent everyday practice. And as a team, the winning play, dripping in symbolism, was named Nova. Okay? It's run in every Villanova practice. It's their go-to with less than eight seconds remaining in the game. It's run in every Villanova practice. Every practice. Every practice. They run that play. They weren't wondering when there was only 4.7 seconds on the clock, what are we going to do now? How are we going to make it? What are we going to do? What should we, what should we do? They already knew. They practiced through that moment every practice. There's no question. Same play every time. Different options, same play.
Practice is necessary for transformation. This process happens by the grace of God and in conjunction with our response. This whole message has become very personal for us this week. Because the last nine to ten weeks, Christy's been dealing with some physical issues and, and trying to figure out what's going on. Finally, this week, we get the answer. She's been diagnosed with oral cancer. When the C word comes to your family, it's, it's a whole different ballgame. Things begin to change. When you're thrown a curveball, what do you do? You say, well, Pastor, how's, how's your household? What are you doing? What are you doing now? We're doing exactly what we've been doing our whole lives. We got scripture on the wall. We're quoting it. We're memorizing it. We're speaking it. We're spending time in prayer. We're in the Word of God daily. You say, well, is that something new? Are you kidding me? That's how you make it through the tough times. That's how you go through difficult times. You set yourself in motion. You practice. Because something's coming your way. You got to get ready for it. You got to know God is still in control. He still sits on the throne. His word is still truth. Let every man be a liar. God is truth. Nothing's changed. Worship music still playing throughout the house. So was that new? Are you kidding me? It's what we do. It's how we live. It's how we prepare every single day of our lives for all that the enemy is going to throw our way. And we hang out together as a family. We speak life into one another. We encourage, we surround, we pray for. We give words of life. I was reading this week, Lisa Turker, she said, together is a really good word. Look at your neighbor and say, together. Together. Tell them. Together. Together is what we need when we hit tough patches in life. Making decisions when life is making you cry shouldn't be done alone. We need each other. And this is a process. Oh, you know what? We love the event, don't we? I'd rather have the event where somebody prays for me. I get healed. Everything's different. I get up. I'll never be the same again. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. I'll never be the same again. Oh, no, 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 no. It's an old song. You don't know it. Sorry. <laughs> I've seen it happen one time in my ministry. A man who was an alcoholic came for prayer. I laid my hand on him. He said it felt like God opened the top of his head, hooked a huge hose to it, and just washed him out. He said, I couldn't move. I was, I was frozen to the ground. He said, my feet were, were, wouldn't budge. He said, it was like God just washed me, washed me, washed me. He said, after that, he said, I never even thought about it. Didn't, didn't ever have a drop again. He said, it never even enticed me. God just changed him in the moment. 
But more times than not, God takes people through a process rather than an event. I was reading an article this week on gaining freedom from sexual addiction by Steve Gallagher, and he says, God nearly always transforms those in sexual sin through a gradual, well-organized process. In all my years of counseling sexual addicts, I could count on one hand those who were instantly delivered because God sees the man's heart and his entire future, and he knows there are many deeply rooted issues which must be exposed and dealt with. And if you resist the process, the Lord is attempting to lead you through. You are only going to prolong your growth. But as you cooperate, you allow the Holy Spirit full reign to accomplish his marvelous work within you. And I don't know what you're going through, but I do know this. God wants to take you through the sea. He took them through. He had a path no one else knew about. And there's some things God takes you through and he strengthens something inside of you. And you're never the same because of the process God has taken you through. Our attitude and the position of our heart is key to how we move forward. No matter what comes your way. I love the heart position, the attitude of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew guys that, that were tested to the max. And you know the story. Their lives were on the line. Nebuchadnezzar the king said, I'm putting up this 90-foot gold statue on the plain of Dura. You guys have got to bow down when you hear the music. So if you don't bow down, I'm going to kill you. Throwing you in the fiery furnace. And, and the music starts, and everybody's on their face, and they're all worshiping the golden statue, and here's three guys. Wayne Budges. Neb gets upset. Calls him in. Look, look what it says, Daniel chapter 3, verse 13. Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the golden statue I've set up? I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then... What God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shad, Rack, me, Shack. And Abednego replied, O Neb, we do not need to defend ourselves before you if we're thrown into the blazing furnace. The God whom we serve is able to save. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want you to make it clear to you, your majesty. We will never, ever serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. <coughs> I love these teenagers. They didn't know the end of the story yet. They hadn't read the book of Daniel. It wasn't written yet. They were just living it. 
They were just in the middle of it, and they just knew something. Maybe they knew Isaiah chapter 43. When you walk through the rivers, they'll not overflow you. When you go through the fire, it won't burn you. Maybe that word of God was planted in them as a young boy. They just stood up and said, you know what? It doesn't matter what's coming our way. The God whom we serve is able to deliver us, and he will. But even if he doesn't, Nothing's changing. It's not changing what we do. We're still going to serve God. We're still going to give ourselves to Him fully. We're not giving ourselves to you or this mess. God is able, and He will, but even if He doesn't. Our God is able. That, my friends, is faith. I know my God is able. Something inside of me says, God can do it. There's nothing too difficult for God. And he will deliver us. That, my friends, is hope. I hope God comes through. I'm believing that he will. But even if he doesn't, that, my friends, is love. My God is able, and he will, but even if he doesn't, nothing's changing. I'm still going to love him. I'm still going to serve him all the days of my life. My life may be cut short, but I'm still serving Jesus. Hallelujah. Paul the Apostle wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The God I serve is able to heal me from any disease, especially cancer right now. And he will, but even if he doesn't. My God is able to change my entire family situation, and I'm believing he will. But if he doesn't, I'm still going to serve him. I'm not giving in to the pressure. My God is able to change every difficult situation. I'm believing he will. But even if he doesn't, it doesn't change my love for him. I still love him with all my heart. You see, what, what we don't understand is as a Christian, even death is a win. Death for the child of God is total and complete healing. What are you going to do, threaten me with life after death? Really? You're going to threaten me with heaven? Seriously? You're going to threaten me with being in the presence of Jesus where there can't be any sickness or disease there? Hallelujah. And I love their attitude. doesn't matter what comes our way. We're going in the fire. Now, we know the end of the story. They came out. No smell of smoke on them. They weren't burned. In fact, Jesus was walking around in the fire with them. Come on, somebody. The only thing that changed was the things that they were tied up with got burned off. <laughs> Come on. Our God is able and he will. But even if he doesn't. So what do you do when the cure doesn't come the way you thought it should? 
You rely on his grace. You rely on his grace. Grace, that unmerited favor, that strength, that, that ability to grow, increasing your faith, that power to keep you in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. The Apostle Paul wrote about this as, as he was given a thorn in the flesh. And I, I believe the reason we don't know what that thorn in the flesh was, someone said, it must have been his wife. I'm like, no, nah, he wasn't married. Could have been sickness or disease. We don't know. He doesn't say what it was. He just said a thorn in the flesh was given, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And here's what he said about it. Three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time, he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Christy shared with me and, and others that, and I know this about her, she's, she's a very strong woman. And, and yet there's a weakness here. She said, I just, I, I want to be strong. And God's been teaching her and he's actually spoken to her and said, you don't have to be strong. Because in your weakness, my strength comes. And he's strengthening her through her weakness. He's given all the rest of us the ability to lift her up. The Bible talks about it, carrying one another's burdens, thus fulfilling the law of Christ. And then it also says each one must carry their own load. Some things you just have to go through. But God's doing a work. And His grace is sufficient. His grace is all we need. His grace keeps us. His grace surrounds us. His grace builds us up and gives us an inheritance. His grace is amazing. As I was finishing my message, the Lord reminded me of Zechariah chapter 4. And I close with this today. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. And he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Some things you can't work your way out of. Some things you can't push your way through. But it's not by might. It's not by our power, but it's by the Spirit of the living God, says the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. And I love this next verse, verse 7. What are you, O great mountain? Because sometimes you come up against mountains, you're like, there's no way around this, there's no way through this. How, how are we going to get there? What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, 
you will become a plain. I don't know what mountain's facing you, but I do know this. God has the ability by His Spirit to wipe it clean. God has the ability by His Spirit to make it a plain, a smooth way for you to go right on through. And He, he, he keeps going. He says, before Zerubbabel, you become a plain, and he will bring forth the top stone. He's going to continue building with shouts of grace, grace to it, grace, grace to it. I believe God's going to put something inside of each of us today. No matter what you're facing, no matter what mountain is staring you down, and trying to get you to give in and give up and go around and try to do a detour. God says, before you, I'm going to make this mountain a plain. And you're going to lay the, the top stone saying, grace. God's grace. Grace to it. His grace is all I need. His grace is all I need. His grace is all I need. Thank you, Lord. Let's, let's stand and just lift your hands for a moment and begin to praise him for his grace. His grace. His grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His grace. His grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So here's, here's the deal, church. Thanks, Jesus. Mama Bear is rising up to say, not on my, not on my watch not on my watch and the, the God is calling this church to a whole new <laughs> call it whatever you want to call it some people don't like levels whatever that is tag for it God is calling us out there is a light on our church we are becoming the lighthouse yeah we're back here in this business center okay there's a light on us God is calling us when Isaiah preached a couple months ago or maybe a week I'm not sure when it was but he, he did a little thing that he gave us all name tags and it says on there hello my name is took me the entire sermon to decide what I was going to put on that it was a huge deal to me it was so maybe such a funny thing to do but that was a major I ended up putting it on the outside of my Bible because I wanted to carry it everywhere I went it took me all this sermon to put on there what I wanted to be put on there and as I wrote it God said wait till you see what I'm going to do with that it said hello my name is Bold now I am a bold I'm a strong woman but God said, you haven't seen nothing yet, lady. And I'm telling you, when that call came this week, Dr. Hoffman said, Christy, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you have cancer. Something rose inside of me that said, oh, devil, you are going to be so wishing you kept me healthy. 
because something rose inside of me. Now, does this mean every day is perfect? Oh, my goodness, church, please know I'm human, just like you. Last night, I had such a, a threat of death over me that when I, I never woke up because I never went to sleep, but when my feet hit the floor this morning, there was such a vengeance, such a vengeance of, I will not die, but I live. And I will proclaim what God has done. So let me tell you, church, this is what God is calling us. God always comes with a plan. And this is his plan. I don't know who in this place has got to have a healing touch. But would you, whoever you are, I want you to raise your hand right now. You just, you need a miracle. You need a miracle. God says, today I'm going to, I'm going to start my, the process of the healing touch coming into this church because he's going to give the responsibility to us to proclaim it from the mountaintops and to shout it loud and to be bold, to be, have a boldness about us that we proclaim who we are. I was walking the dogs after I got the phone call. And I was walking the dogs and just trying to process it. And there was a man outside of his neighbor, out in his yard. And we've been trying to get to know him. But I don't even know his name. Sad to say. But as we walked up on him, it was like he was waiting for me. And I started this conversation with him. And I ended up saying, you know, sir, today I just found out that I have cancer. And he, it was like, it was like something happened. The wall came down and God stood there in the middle of the street as we, I don't even know his name, but we were hugging in the middle of the streets with my dogs looking at me saying, wow, what are you doing? And I'm telling you, God Almighty is in the house and he's in charge and whatever he's going to do to let his name be known, he will get the glory. And that might have been the doctor's report for me. You might have gotten your doctor's report. Or you might be going through something in your life. Okay, that's today. What about tomorrow? We stand firm in who we are. So who needs a I'm sorry, you're still with your hands raised. Who needs a healing touch? I want you to reach your hand towards heaven right now. Because I declare today victory in the house. I declare victory in the house this church, this church is no longer standing. We are declaring freedom from disease. We are declaring freedom in our bodies. We are declaring that that has taken hold of us, that that has robbed us from our joy, from our holy boldness. God, I declare freedom in the house today. I declare a healing touch, a healing touch to go out, that God, we are healed in your name. We stand here weak in who we are, strong in who you are today. And I declare, I declare wholeness today. I declare healing in the house, 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 healing in the house. Healing, healing in the house, healing in the house, healing in the house. Man says, we have diseases. God says, you are delivered. 
You are delivered. You are delivered. You are delivered. We will be a lighthouse that God Almighty is in the house. He's in the house. He's in the house. He's in the house. He's in the house. God Almighty is in the house. At the house. In the house. In the house. church and I am rebuking it the families in this church will thrive and so if you're standing next to your spouse or you're not I want you to go find your spouse stand next to him and I want you to hold hands right now right now hold hands God said to me today that there was five families that are really struggling in this so I'm declaring I'm declaring I'm declaring it gone declaring it gone declaring it gone declaring it gone Declaring it gone. Now, couples, if you have your children around you, I want your children to gather around you. I want you to pray. Children, I want you to pray for them right now. You see your mom and dad, I want you to pray for them. Gather around them right now. We bind that which comes against in the name of Jesus. We bind it right now. We bind it right now. Lord, I declare, I declare absolute devil get out get out of these homes get out of these homes you have no business with them we declare strength in marriage oh God may we bind together may we bind together may we bind together 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 today together today we declare freedom we declare that spirit gone, gone in our families today, gone in our marriages today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. There's one more area. I want you to sit down. I'm telling you guys, church, God is in the house and he's getting ready to do a new thing. He's getting ready to do a new thing. And you want to be in the middle of it, let me just tell you. If you own a business, I want you to stand to your feet. If you own a business, God wants to do something with the, this was so huge to me, to, in wee hours of the morning, that God wants to do, he wants to bring favor into your business, but he's, he wants you, and this church is, has never asked for your money, That's, this is God's money, but he's telling you, if you will give what he's going to prosper you with to the church, captives that will be released will be unbelievable and if you will do that he will find favor he will find favor in your business he will find favor in your business and it will prosper you it will prosper you to set the captives free to set the captives free I declare that over the businesses in this church over the businesses in this church we declare that in your name in your name stand up church stand up I want us to declare this morning who God is who God is maybe you absolutely have to touch the hem of the garment today if you have to touch the hem of the garment I come up here right now we're not wasting time today let's go you want to touch the hem of the garment you need Jesus you need Jesus you need Jesus you need Jesus whatever that 
Awesome, Almighty God. We trust you. We trust you, Lord. No matter what comes our way, we trust you. We trust you. You alone. Awesome, man be a liar. Our God is true. For nothing shall be impossible with God. And we declare by your stripes we are healed. Thank you for healing Christy. Thank you for healing those in this room who need a healing touch. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We deliberately reach out and touch you today. Thank you for your touch. Thank you for the power that flows out of you into us and makes us completely whole. We will go in peace today. We're going to go in peace today. We're going to go in peace today. Hallelujah. Awesome God. And we're going to do this journey together. Together. Thank you for this family, Lord. The family of God that you've allowed us to be a part of. We're honored to be a part of your family. Thank you that the, the blood of Jesus flows through your body healing in that blood there's deliverance in that blood there's forgiveness in that blood there's restoration in that blood oh God cover us with the blood of the Lamb in Jesus mighty name so you can spell out on somebody else the goodness of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We stand together in the power and might of Jesus Christ. We will not be defeated in Jesus' name. Have a blessed week. We'll see you later on this week.